0: and pull out your message notes. I'm going to share with you uh, today part two of The Blessed Life. Now, you know, today I would say this message is one of the most important messages I could ever share. Um, and, And let me just be candid with you. This is probably the thing that has impacted my life most outside of my salvation experience. Ever since I was a young kid, my parents taught me this principle. And today we're going to talk about what test What test is it that God tests us with? And in our lives, really, that test is tithing. And so in this morning, what what I want you to do is to hear the heart of a pastor that's going to share something that changed my life at a young age. I'll never forget, as a teenager, young teenager... That my parents raised us up with the principle of putting God first in my life. And let me tell you, whether rich or poor, whether we had lack or we had abundance, this is the one thing my entire life, throughout my entire life, that I can say I have done since I learned the principle as a young teenager. And it has radically impacted my life. Probably the biggest thing that has impacted my life ever. And so this morning, I just want you to listen. Open up your hearts. You know I, know, I know it's going to get quiet. I could tell you guys are already quiet. Everybody smile. Everybody say, come on, pastor. Oh, say it again. Say, come on, pastor. Oh, come on. You, you got to, like, like lighten up. Okay, listen, just just bear with me. I want, you know, I, I can see you already just kind of getting quiet. Don't get quiet. I preach better when you respond to me. Amen? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Come on. There you go. See, I, it just fires me up. And so I don't want you to get quiet. I want you to really open your heart. To something that I believe will change your life for many of you that maybe don't know about it, and for others that are doing it, it's gonna affirm what you're doing in your life. Let's turn to Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 through 12, and I'm, I'm gonna actually read through the message Bible this morning. And we're gonna dive in. It says, I am God, yes, I am. I haven't changed, and because I haven't changed, you, the descendants of Jacob, haven't been destroyed. You have a long history of ignoring my commands. You haven't done a thing that I've told you. Return to me so that I can return to you, says the God of the angel armies. Now, if you know anything about Malachi, and many of you who have ever studied tithing or heard about tithing, this is something that you've read through. Someone has preached it to you, shared this truth with you. But the book of Malachi is really all about us returning back to God. Malachi chapter 1 is us returning back to God in faith that his people would return back to him in their faith. Malachi chapter 2 is God's people returning back to him in their family. And then in Malachi chapter 3, which is what we're reading now, it's his people returning back to him in giving and in finances. So the whole chapter, when you understand the context, is really returning back to God himself. And so here he specifically is talking about finances. But look at what he says. He says this, you ask, but how do we return? So he's saying, hey, listen, I want you to return back to me. So they've already heard the return back to faith and family. He says, listen, so how do we return back to you? They say, by being honest. Isn't it funny that when God is saying, hey, I want you to return back to me, he says, I want you to be honest. He says this, do honest people rob God? Well, of course not. I mean, no, honest people don't rob anybody. Can I get an Amen. They just don't rob anybody. He says, but do honest people rob God? But yet you rob me day after day. Now, notice he didn't say once. He's saying day after day. It's something that is continually happening in the lives of his people. He says, you asked, how have you robbed me? And then he goes on and he explains to them how they have robbed God. He says, in tithe and the offering. That's how. So he's going through this principle, the tithe and the offering, which we're going to share about a little bit later in today's message. He says, and now you're under a curse, the whole lot of you. So he's saying, listen, you're under a curse, you robbed me, and because you robbed me, there is a consequence to robbing God. And he says, you live under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Then he goes on, he says, bring the full tithe to the temple treasury, so that there will be ample provision in my temple. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. So he's saying, listen, test me in this, prove me in this, return back to me in your giving, tithe, give back to me what belongs to me, and the curse is going to be removed. I'm going to open up the windows of heaven." And I love what he says. He says this, For my part, I will defend you against the marauders. I will protect your wheat fields and vegetable gardens against the plunders. The message of God of the angel armies. Now listen to this. Isn't that interesting? He says, listen, I'm going to defend you. I'm going to protect you. So here we have a story where God's people, his people, he loves his people, they're robbing him. And he's like, well, they say, God, how are we robbing you? He said, listen, by not giving me what belongs to me. What belongs to God? Tithes and offerings. And because of this, there is a consequence of disobedience. He says, listen, you're living under a curse. He asked them, now listen, that's not how I want you to live. Will you return back to me? I mean, no, God doesn't want us to live under a curse. Can I get an amen? Amen. That God loves you. God cherishes you. He cherishes me. So what He wants us to do is understand a principle that will get us outside of the curse and move us into alignment with God's blessing for our lives. He wants us to live under the blessing, not the curse. He loves us. He he wants you to live under an open heaven. He wants the heavens to be open. What does that mean? That when you live your life, that there's supernatural favor, that God is moving in supernatural ways. And I love what it says here. It says he wants to defend us and he wants to protect us. That that's God's will for your life. But we have to know this, that in order for God to defend us and protect us and to bless us and to live a blessed life, we have to get into alignment with God. How many know God never moves? How many know God never changes? But there are some prerequisites that God is saying, Hey, listen, I want you to get in alignment with the system that I created so that I can bless you. Why? Because I love you. I want you to live under the blessings of God. He's not some mean God up in heaven trying to make bad things happen to you so that you come running back to Him. No, He wants you to be in alignment with Him so that He can lavish His blessings on you so that you can enjoy Him. Yeah, but even bigger than that, so that we as the body of Christ can receive the blessings of God and bless the world around us. Can I get an amen? It's important for us to not be ignorant When it comes to tithes and offerings, ignorance is really not an excuse. You can be ignorant of the law of gravity. And yet, how many know the law of gravity will still apply in your life? So you can walk up to the tallest building and you can get to the edge of that building and you can say, hey, listen, I don't know anything about this law of gravity. You get to the edge and you can walk off. And even though you don't understand it, even though you don't know it, it will still apply when you walk off the building. How many know you're going to hit the ground? That's right, it's the law of gravity. What goes up must come down. Well, Tithing is the same thing. Whether you believe in it or not, whether you understand it or not, we as God's people, when we put Him first, when we give Him the first and the best portion of all that He has blessed us with, we begin to operate under the blessings of God. We live a blessed life. A blessed life. So today I want to talk about tithing, and, and really there's three things I want to hit. I want to help you understand what is tithing. I want to help you understand why we tithe, and then I want to help us understand what happens when we give God our first and our best in our life. Now, I understand, let me just tell you this, I understand you work hard for your money, I understand that you know there, there's lots of you that that, that it's, it's hard work, and what what I don't want you to feel is I don't want you to feel pressured. I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel manipulated. What I want you to do is to receive God's word and say, hey, listen, I know I work hard. I know that sometimes it's easy for me to say this is mine, but maybe there's a greater way than the way I've been living. Maybe God's principles can be applied to my life and understand this, that I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to deposit something in you. I want you to experience God's best for your life. I want you to be blessed spiritually and mentally and physically and emotionally. But I also want you to be blessed financially. I also want you to have a proper understanding of how money relates to us and God and aligns us up into God's system and and allows God to really bless our life because He is first, not money. So first, let's start off with this. What is tithing? What is tithing? If you got pens and paper, and I I would just encourage you to take notes this morning. This this is something I want you to go back and study for yourself. (coughs) Tithing means a tenth. Tithing means a tenth. So it it means 10%. And when we tithe, we actually give God the first 10% of our income. And we understand this, that tithing really was created for our benefits. How many know that God's not worried about you giving him money because he's broke? I mean, seriously, can we, can we just think about that? Because sometimes that's really what we hear from people that are not really expositing the word of God. Sometimes like, God needs your money. I need you to give. And my challenge with that, listen, as your pastor, is that's a misrepresentation of God. As a church, can I tell you, I've never asked you to give. I've asked you to ask God what He wants you to give. Because you know what? When we need something as a church, do you know I don't have to ask you? I talk to my daddy God because I live under the blessing. And then God speaks to His people. But what we have to be careful about is for us, you know, we can begin to think, well, that person's trying to get something from me that God needs your money. God doesn't need your money. It's his system that he created for us to live under so that you would be blessed. He's trying to ultimately bless your life. Why? Because it's a way that we show, God, you're first. When when I give you my first and my best, I'm saying, God, you're the first in my life. God, you're the greatest in my life. Yeah, I got stuff, but the stuff doesn't have me. I've got you, and I freely give to you what belongs to you. And so we understand that that in our lives, that, 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 that that's what tithing is all about. And ultimately, tithing is a test. I mean, when we look at it, it it really is a test of who we're going to honor in our life. Who is it that we're going to give the most honor to? And so we see in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Look what it says. Look at what it says. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Everybody say wealth. Wealth. And with the best part of everything that you produce. And then here's the amazing thing. So he says, listen, honor Honor, honor God with your wealth, with the best part of everything. Not leftovers, not what's left, not maybe just some scraps. No, he's saying with the best part of everything that you produce. And God's uh, command comes with a benefit. Look at what he says. He says, then, when, when you obey, when you honor, when you put him first, when you give him the best portion of your wealth, this is what happens. says, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. So it's a test. It's us saying, listen, God, we're going to honor you that that when I receive, I am going to put you in first place. How many know God don't want to be second place? He don't want to be third place. He don't want to be leftovers. He wants to be the first and primary place in our lives. And how many know that he deserves to be the best? He deserves to be the first. And so for us, we take a test. Listen to me. Every time you get paid, you take a test. Every time. Some of you get paid twice a month. Maybe you get paid on the 1st and the 15th. Did you know that when you get paid, that is a test of who you honor the most? When you get paid, some of you get paid every single week, and, 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 and I know you're processing through. You're like, really? When I get paid, it's a test? Yeah, maybe you get paid once a month. The test is this. When you get your check, when you get your wealth, when you get your increase, who do you honor first? Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, who is it that you give your best to? And the problem is this. So many people honor Visa more than they honor God. People honor American Express more than they honor God. The problem is they honor their mortgage more than they honor God. The problem is Visa, American Express, Discover, MasterCard, your mortgage, it doesn't have the power to bless you. The only place that you can get blessed is when you put God first. He's the only one that has the power to bless your life. So do you see how, and, and, and when we get it in perspective, we, we've got to know this. I'm not telling you don't pay your bills. I'm just telling you that the order matters. I'm just telling you that when you say, hey, God, I honor you. God, this is a test this week right now. I mean, for us personally, we text to give. It's a non-negotiable. We got our money deposited last night. Soon as it hits the bank, I text to give the amount. It is the first thing that comes out of my bank account. Back in the day of dinosaurs and cavemen, we used to write checks. And it was the first check that we would actually write. And, and, and there's a principle. Someone said, well, it's just one of my checks. No, baby, it's the first check. Why? Because the first denounces honor. It says, hey, this is who I'm honoring. This is the one that's first. This is the one that's primary. So listen, I'm telling you, somebody, right now, you just got a revelation. It's not that you hadn't been given 10%. It just wasn't the first 10%. Order matters. Why? Because it's honor. I give to the one I honor the most. That's how we know if we're passing this test. We've got to say, God, I choose to have faith because it takes faith to give God your first and best. Listen to me. It takes faith to say, God, in difficult times, I'm going to give you the first and the best. God, in difficult times, I'm going to trust you. I don't even know. There's not enough here. Listen to me. There's not enough here to pay all the bills. I have been there. I told you the story last week where literally there was 10 cents in my pocket. Can I tell you? Even then, I tithed. And did I tell you at the end of that, that when we were about to lose everything, there was a business deal and all the things. It's crazy. It's like, God, where are you? But I'm not going to quit tithing. I'm not going to quit giving. Can I tell you? I didn't lose one thing. God continued to bless us. God continued to give us all that we needed to provide for us in and through that season. And some of you are going through a time right now. Well, you feel like God, if I gave you the first, there's not enough to to, to pay the rest of the bills. Listen, that's the wrong mentality. That's saying that you believe your job is your source. Can I tell you your job is not your source? God is your source. And if you believe God is your source, then you say, God, there may not be enough to pay for these bills, but God, I know you are my source. And if you've got to have somebody walk over and give me money, you'll do whatever it takes. Why? Because I honor you. You will rebuke the devourer. You will give me more than enough that you're not just a, a, a late God, you're an on-time God, and you're going to give me all that I need to walk through this season. You're never late. But see how it matters for us. In fact, I we had our small group this week, and uh, I love our small groups. You guys enjoying your small groups? So 43 different small groups are happening all throughout the city, and Uh, We had our men's small group, and we were meeting, and and I told the guys at the end of the service, I said, yeah, you know, I'm excited about this week, and I feel like our people are going to be really blessed and set free. And I said, I really feel like, it." and they said, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, I'm talking about the principle of a God-first life, that you put God first in your finances, and, and He blesses the rest. And one of the guys said, I know time's out. He said, but can I just tell you guys a God story of what God has done in my life? We said, sure, absolutely. He said, listen, you know, about three, four months ago, we really engaged. My wife and I engaged in this church. We started serving. We got involved in small groups. We, we, we went through the next steps. And he said, one of the things that we started to do as well is we began to tithe. We gave God our first and our best. And he said, but the challenge was this. I lost my job. I mean, no, that's a hard time. That's difficult. And he said, but we had to come together and decide, listen, I know I lost my job. I know it doesn't seem like we're going to have enough to pay the bills. But honey, I really think we need to tithe. We need to put God first. And he said, at first it was really difficult. It took faith to believe in a God you can't see. It takes faith to believe when you're looking at lack and you're not sure how everything's going to work out. But he said, we chose to believe. And can I tell you that God is faithful. We've never gone without. He's always provided. And our life is blessed In fact, he said, this week, I've been looking for a job. Someone told me about the job. And so he said, I just sent in my resume and didn't think anything of it. And he said, within an hour, I got a phone call back from the company. They hired me, had an interview. Within an hour, I was hired as the assistant manager of a car dealership. I mean, what's the point? It takes faith to put God first. But I can tell you this that God is never gonna fail us. That God always is faithful to His word. And this is the one place in the Bible where in Malachi, He actually says, Test me, try me, prove me. The only place in the Bible that God says, Test me, try me, prove me. The only place where He says, Listen, I'm telling you, I'm coming through. He always does, but He says, I want you to test me. Why? Because I believe sometimes money is the hardest exchange for us. And God's almost like, I'm gonna give you a money back guarantee. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to break open the windows of heaven. Why? Because you're living a blessed life. So here's another question. Why did God choose 10%? Why did God choose 10%? He uses percentages because it's the same for every person. So it's 10 cents on every dollar. So if you make 30,000 or if you make 300,000, it holds the same weight in your heart. And so the percentage makes it this, everybody can be a part of it. Whether you're rich or whether you're poor, it doesn't matter. We say, God, i give you the first 10%. Now, the number 10 also represents testing. Everybody say testing. Come on, say it a little bit louder. Say testing. And I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I want you to answer. You're going to notice a pattern here. How many plagues did God send to Egypt? Okay, let's try it again. How many plagues did God send to Egypt? Ten. Ten. Now I could say this, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? So that's really what is happening. He says, how many commandments did God test the heart of Israel with? You see the pattern? Okay. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? How many times were Jacob's wages changed? How many days was Daniel tested? How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? How many disciples are there? (laughs) It's just a test. (laughs) You're like, Pastor, y'all confusing me. Good loud. It's up. Then I was taking a test. Listen, tithing is a test, and it's more than just about money. It really is about our heart. And so it's the one area in our life where you can actually look at your bank account and see what you value the most, right? I mean, we can we can hide some other things like, you know, forgiveness. We can say we forgive, but not really forgiven. When, when we talk about giving and tithing and finances, you just look at your bank account. There's no lying about what's happening there. Look at what Matthew 6.21 says. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. There your heart will be. Your heart is wherever your treasure is. And so we've got to know this, that how we spend our money, how we invest our money, it really reflects the values of our heart and how we think on the inside. Now, i got friends, you can see clearly what they love and value. I've got a friend that loves tennis shoes. Anybody got those kind of I mean it's crazy he's got more than 100 pairs of shoes like like there is something wrong everywhere he goes he's got shoes look she's hitting her husband see like, that's me <laughs> He probably got more shoes than all the women combined in this place it is crazy but clearly, you can look at his life and you can see what it is that he values. You know, men, sometimes you can look at hunting. You say, man, all they do is, is they go hunting and fishing and their whole investment of their life is in that. Maybe it is ladies and it's shopping. It, I, I don't know what it is, but it's the one area where you could go back and you can look and say, okay, look at my account. Look at where I invest or waste my money. And you can see exactly what it is that you value. Don't lie. They don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Well, we got to know this. God wants to bless you. God wants you to have nice things. And I want you to hear me. Listen in this. God wants you to have nice things. So don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you he doesn't want you. The thing is, he doesn't want those things to have you. He wants you to say, okay, God, I'm going to put you first. You got to hold them loosely. You know, I, I was talking to somebody just the other day, and they got some nice things. said, what do you think? I said this, God is good, and I always say, God, is it okay if I buy this? If I don't hear anything from Him, then I'm assuming that's okay. If I hear no, then I don't do it. And then when I get it, I always hold it loosely and say, God, this is yours. You blessed me with it. I can give it away at any time. We just know that God loves to bless us when we operate in His system. We just can't allow those things to be first place in our life. And really, when we give back to God, how many know He doesn't want a stingy giver? He doesn't want a grumbling giver? He doesn't want someone who is angry or frustrated that they have to give back to God. He wants a cheerful giver. Someone that gives out of the gratitude of their heart. Someone that says, God, I love you. I'm thankful for what you did in my life. Therefore, I'm going to give to you. Deuteronomy, uh, or no, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 says, Each one of you should give what he has decided in their hearts to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. So what I look at it like this, you should have already decided what you're going to give to God. Now, there are rare exceptions when I walk into a room and somewhere and I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to me to give something. But generally, when I give, I have already decided that, God, I'm going to give this. It's one of the reasons we don't pass offering plates in buckets. From day one, we never have. And God has continued to provide miraculously for our church, not just little ways, but in big ways. And part of it is this. I want you to come each and every week, and not based on whether I gave a good offering nugget or not. I want you to say, God, I'm here to worship you, to love you, to serve you. And not only am I going to worship you in my words, but I'm going to worship you in my giving. And then you personally make that an experience that you have as you drop it off into the giving center. It's an act of worship. You've decided in your heart, and you say, God, I give cheerfully. God, I give cheerfully with all that's inside of me because of what you've done for me. And then we have to realize, listen, God is the one that gave you the strength to get what you have. That God's the one that gave you the power, the breath in your lung, the smarts in your brain. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. He says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. He gives you the power to get wealth. That everything that we have in our life, that really that came from God. And when we understand that that came from God, it makes it easy to say, God, this is yours. I give back to you what belongs to you. And then it aligns me up under the blessings that God has for my life. He's the one that's given us the resources. But, everybody say but. It's our responsibility to manage those resources well. That he gives us the freedom. He gives us the choice. I mean, isn't it crazy that he gives it back to you and then says, I want you to give it back to me? Why would he do that? I mean, he could just somehow miraculously take it right off the top. But the principle goes back to the heart. The principle goes back to I'm learning as a believer to be a good steward of the resources that God gave to me. That I have to choose. I have to choose. I have to choose to manage the resources that God has given to me. And, and I want to share something with you that I think is the simplest way that you could learn how to manage the resources that God's given to you. It's really three easy steps, and it's so easy that my little girls can teach it to us this morning. Check out them explaining this principle. My name- Whenever we're all finished, we get, do- we get a dollar. Ten times. I give one to God, and I put one in cents, and then the rest I get to do whatever I want with them. That's, That's what I do, do with money. When my it's really t- simple. You, you can do it can. too. You you give your first money to God, save the other one, and spend the, the rest. <laughs> It's a lot easier than trying to manage a portfolio. That's just my opinion. How many know it's really that simple? That you sow, you save, and then you spend wisely. And so for some of us, maybe you've never heard that. Maybe nobody's ever taught you that. I want you, if nothing else, to walk away with that because that is a principle that if you live by, it will absolutely change your life. Amen? Amen. Now, what happens when we give God our first and our best? I want to answer that question this morning. Spend the rest of our time this morning in there. And we're going to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 31 in just a second. But what I want you to understand is this. It unlocks the blessing of God in our lives. That when we tithe, when we give God our first, when we give Him our best, it unlocks the blessing of God in our lives. Just think about your life as if it was locked up, and when you give Him the first and the best, it just unlocks it. Malachi says that you'll live under an open heaven, that he'll pour out the blessing of God in your life, that he will defend you, he will protect you, he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Why? Because God wants you to live a blessed life. He wants you to walk out the blessings that he's called you to live with here in this earth. I want to look at another example this morning, and it's found in 2 Chronicles 31, verse 4 through 10. How God blesses his children when they obey. And let's just read and then I'll give you a little bit of the backdrop. It says, in addition, he required the people in Jerusalem to bring a portion of their goods to the priests and Levites so they could devote themselves fully to the law of the Lord. So what's happening here? Hezekiah is reading the Bible. And as he's reading the Bible, he understands that God's people have not been tithing. And something that's important to know is that in this time, they are experiencing an economic recession. Anybody can relate? So there's this recession that is happening. He's reading the word of God, and he's realizing that though we are God's people, though we are his chosen people, we're living under the curse because we're not obeying God. And we have been ignorant, but that ignorance is no excuse. We're still living under this curse. So then Hezekiah goes in. Look at what he says. In verse 5, he says, when the people of Israel heard these requirements, they responded generously. What, What do they respond to? His command to tithe. Listen, we're in a recession. Things are tough. I'm telling you, I want you to tithe. You're going to tithe. So then this is what happened. The people say, listen, we're going to respond to the word of God. And they gave generously. By bringing the first share, which is representative of the tithe of their grain, new wine, olive oil, honey, and all the produce of their field, they brought a large quantity, a tithe of all they produced. The people had moved to Judah from Israel and from the people of Judah themselves brought in the tithes of their cattle, their sheep, their goats, and a tithe of the things that had been dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them up in great heaps. They began piling them up in late spring and heaps and continued to do so until the autumn. That's four months. So for four months, they're piling on their tithe here as Hezekiah has instructed them. So then Hezekiah comes back and he looks. He says, when Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the huge piles, they thanked the Lord and his people Israel. Where did all this come from? So he's looking at this pile of stuff. He walks up. It's extravagant. There's a lot. Where did it come from? He's concerned and yet Hezekiah asked the priests and the Levites and Azariah, the high priest from the family of Zadok, replied, since the people began bringing their gifts to the Lord's temple, since the people began tithing, since the people began to put God first, since the people said, listen, we're going to obey what God says so that we can break the curse and live in the blessing says, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare. The Lord has blessed his people, and this is all that's left over. How many know that when you live in the blessed life, there's always left over? It's not just enough. God is not a God of just enough. He's a God of more than enough. And here what we see is that they return back to God. They obey the scriptures. And then what happens is God breaks the curse. And as they obey in the little things, God blesses them. And then as they're blessed, that's the beauty of the 10% rule. Think about this. When I have a little and I'm living under the curse, I begin to give 10%. God blesses me. How many know that little 10% becomes a lot of 10%? And so what he is seeing is that God is fulfilling His word, that they're bringing the little bit they had, and God continues to bless them until there is an overflowing of resources that are left over for the house of God. So in essence, this is what happened. God broke the recession. He breaks the recession because of obedience. So what happens is tithing engages us in God's economic system. We've got to know this. Some of you, can I tell you, you're experiencing a famine in your life. You're, you're experiencing this not enough. And, and maybe your, your bills are coming past due. There's There's not enough. Maybe there's never been enough. Can I tell you, God will break the recession in your life. Why? Because obedience breaks the curse. It allows us as God's people to live under the blessing that as we are faithful with little, God makes us ruler over much. He wants to break the curse and the famine that's in many people's lives who are believers, but do not operate in this God first principle. And and I'll tell you this, there's really two stories uh, of people and tithers. You have non-tithers and you have tithers. Non-tithers, the story of a non-tither is someone that says, I can't afford to tithe. And that will always be your story. There's almost never, ever going to be enough for you to tithe. Why? Because tithing takes faith. Putting God first takes faith. You're living under the, Curse the devourer is stealing what it is that you thought was yours. He's come in and he's stealing. He's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And it's only the blessing that breaks that lack off your life. And so tithers, maybe you're sitting back there saying, "No, no, no, I, I can't. I, I can't afford to tithe." Well, that's the testimony or the God story of a non-tither. But a tither says, "This, I am blessed." Say this with me. Say, "I'm blessed." Say it again. Say, "I'm blessed." Say it again. Say, "I'm blessed." blessed. Say That is the story of a tither. You know, I'm just telling you this. Try God, test God, prove God. And just like the children of Israel that we read in the story, that over time what happens is God just begins to bless your obedience. You begin to break that curse off of your life. You live under the blessing and God will begin to bless you in your life. But He doesn't bless you just to be blessed personally. God wants to bless the world around us. And I believe this with all of my heart. In fact, there's great statistics that show this, that when the church engages in God's economic plan, that God set this system up. Amazing things that can happen. In fact, if all the believers would begin to put God first, if they would begin to tithe, did you know that the church would receive $165 billion? Whoa! Come on, 165 billion dollars. See, see the problem is, God's people haven't engaged in God's economic system, so we go to the government for handouts, not realizing that if the church would stand up, if the church would say, listen, God, I'm going to live by this principle. Why do you think the devil hates when people get engaged in giving? Why do you think there's such a manipulation about this giving thing, and people are like, I'm not going to talk about it. No, baby, we're going to talk about it, because God not only wants to bless you, God wants to bless the world. I'm not going to let a devil scare me from talking to our people about God's truth so that you can engage in His system. Why? Because He's got a city that He wants to reach. He's got a county that He wants to reach. He's got a nation that He wants to reach. He's got a world that He wants to reach. And it takes every person doing what God has put on the inside of us to do. But, but look at this. The, the statistics are staggering what the church could do. The global church... With $165 billion, check it out, $25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases in five years. How many can look at this? oh, Oh, I get it. Why? Because God is bigger. God is greater. And if His people would just do His system, this world would be changed and transformed forever. The government was never meant to be our source. It's the church. Look, 12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. 15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically at places in the world where 1 billion people live on less than a dollar per day. 1 billion could fully fund all overseas missions work. That leaves 100 to 110 billion that would still be left over for additional ministry. Additional ministry, that's God's leftover, that if we would just as the body of Christ around the world get into God's economic system, the system He set up to put Him first, we could radically change the world. That's how we make a difference together. The body of Christ coming together. Look at Ephesians 3.20. So we get ready to close. Ephesians 3.20. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according. Everybody say according. I just want you to get this. According to His power. Whose power is it? It's his. That is at work within us. Think about that. Immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. That's His power. But it's engaged by us we have to engage god's system that that, that it's his power that's at work within us that, that that god will move on the inside of us but how many know it can't just stay a feeling it can't just stay something that we got in our minds, something god deposited in our heart there has to be some action to what we receive can i get better amen than that amen. it's an immeasurably more no, no, listen, I'm not going to pass an offering plate or a bucket. My guests are like, what's he about to do? <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Listen, I'm telling you. You know, as, as your pastor, I, I know today I've really, i really, I really kind of just wrestled in how I was just going to deliver the message. And I just know this, if our people will get this, if you'll just receive what God is saying this morning and, and just try Him and test Him. Listen, l- let me just make it really practical for all of us, just super practical, that for us it's really the three things, so save, and spend. That what we do is we say, God, I'm going to give you the first why because that belongs to you that's the place of honor my wealth that I have I recognize you gave it to me so I'm going to give it back to you the next thing is listen some of you you're already doing that but I'm going to ask you to start saving just put money aside just put it aside retirement college fund emergency account just put it aside and then invest or spend the rest of it wisely the rest of the 80 percent that's the practical takeaway That God, today, I'm going to manage my resources that you gave to me because they're really not mine, they're really yours. And I'm going to be a steward of this, not an owner. I'm telling you this. In in fact, I just want to pray over you right now. There are some of you, I believe, that your eyes have just been opened. You've been operating under the curse. There's been a famine. There's been a recession in your finances. You've seen people blessed. You didn't know why. Maybe you didn't have a clue. It's, it's something that you're now recognizing and discovering. Listen, I want to, as your pastor, just speak faith in your heart to test God. It's like the T90X challenge. Anybody know the p 90 x challenge? <laughs> I mean, you ain't going to get muscles, not going to get a free t-shirt, but you are going to live a blessed life. That God, for 90 days, I'm going to tithe. For 90 days. Listen, 90 days. Wasn't it interesting with, the, with, with this? It was four months. Hezekiah spoke to them. Four months. From one season to the next. Four months. Test God. Try God. Prove God. And listen, the minute you try, don't be surprised if something breaks. Why? Because the devil is a liar. Him and his stepmama. And all of them. The, the reality is this. He don't want you to tithe. So you just say, no, no, no. I receive God's blessing. I stand in faith that God, no matter what happens in the natural, I'm going to try God, I'm going to prove God, I'm going to test God, and I'm asking you to do it for the next 90 days. And let me just tell you this as well. There may be a few of you that you say, I can't really do 10%. Maybe maybe there's not the the faith. I don't know what the problem is, my F's. (laughs) The faith to go to 10%. I would challenge you this. Do a progressive percentage tithe. Say, okay, God, I'm going to do 5%. I'm going to do 7%. I'm going to do something. This is what I would challenge you. Listen, listen, listen. It's the God first principle, not the amount. So you say, God, I'm going to give you the first portion, whatever it is, whatever you and God have worked out. And you say, I'm going to try you. And then as God continues to bless your life, what I want you to do then is I want you to increase it to where it needs to be, to wherever God speaks to you. And I want you to know this for me, the the 10% is just the bare minimum. 10% that's like God, that's just, that's what we give to you. But God, I'm asking you to live in over and above. And some of you are there, some of your legacy team members, you know what I'm talking about. It's not just giving God what it belongs to him, but now it's an over and above. I I, want to have the testimony of God at the end of my life. I've gave more than at the beginning. One of my mentors has a goal right now to be a reverse tither. I want to be around him. I want him to inspire. What is that? That's where he actually lives on 10% and gives 90. Come on, what a revelation. That God, this world, these things, these are fleeting things. That God, I'm not going to let this world have a hold in my heart. It's not about what I can give, but it's all about what I can give. It's about building a legacy and saying, God, I'm going to put you first. God, I'm going to invest in your kingdom. And, you know, really that's why we do our legacy offering We're going to do it the second weekend in December. And I want you to be praying about that. That's your above tithes giving. Why? Because that's the day we all come together and we say, God, we're going to all pull in together and we're going to make a massive impact. Last year, we received $35,000 in one day that went out into the community, that blessed outside of our operations budget. Why? Because together we can do way more. And so it's coming up. I'll give you more details about it, but just that's where I'm at. God, just not only just the first and the best, but God, I want to do more. We can make a difference in this city.